Colossians 3, verses 1 to 17. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amazing. Thank you so much, Emily. Yeah, give her a round of applause. If I'm teaching, I've got to get a young person in there somewhere. So, um, good morning. How are we doing this morning, church? We good? Yes? Oh, and energetic. Thank you. Um, So, what a brilliant passage. Um, When I signed up to speak this morning, I'm not going to lie to you, it was mainly based on my calendar um, and when I was free. However, I read this passage and I thought, jackpot, I've got the best one, definitely. So, um, there is so much that God, I believe, wants to say to us this morning, Um, and the way we're going to go through this this morning, I'm going to keep it pretty simple. We're going to work our way through the passage, because there's loads and loads in it that Paul wants to say to us. There was a moment where I was thinking, well, I could just get them to read it, and then go away and do with it what they want, but you get to hear my thoughts on it, because otherwise... Kids' work's going to be pretty short otherwise. So, um, yes, what I'm going to do is unpick what I believe God might be saying to us this morning. Um, We're going to be looking at what it means to die to our old selves and be living in that new life that Paul speaks about. So, I'm just going to read you those first four verses again, which hopefully we'll have up on the screen. It says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. 
So, with that in mind, I wonder how many of us consider ourselves to have died at some point in our lives. It's a bit of a weird question, and I'm not really talking about um, near-death experiences, although if you've got one of those, talk to me afterwards, I find them fascinating. Um, But what I'm talking about here is this idea of us dying to our old lives before we knew God. And I think for some of us, that is something that we can really relate to. If, you've had, like, if you had a dramatic conversion, maybe you um, completely turned your life around, it was a huge 360. Um, the guy who ran my gap year, um, he told this story of a time when he literally did die and he went to a place where he, which he believes was hell. And then he came back to life and, um, and his life completely changed and to me, he would be able to relate to this very easily. It's like, well, I died to my old life. I was rise with Christ, I'm living in the new. I don't have that kind of story. Um, I grew up in a Christian family. I knew I've been to church my whole life. And the idea of dying to my old life and living in the new, I do get, but it was a little bit more of a process. And so I think there's probably a range of us in the room who can relate to it in different ways. Great. Um, so um, there are, we can all relate to these in different ways. And Paul makes it very clear here you guys have died to your old lives and you are living in the new. And that comes a little bit into the context of what um, he's been talking about in the previous passage. Because the passage that Jan spoke on last week, he was really talking to um, those who were Jewish Christians in the church. The Colossian church um, was made up of Jewish Christians who had grown up um, in Jewish families and followed all the Old Testament laws. But it was also made up of a bunch of new Christians who had previously been um, worshipping the Greek and Roman gods, and some of them saw Jesus as just another god to worship. And so in the previous chapter, what Paul's been talking about is he's been talking about those Old Testament um, ceremonial laws, about circumcision, about food laws, about particular ways of living the Sabbath, um, and was talking about the fact that actually that was in their old life and they can live in the freedom that Christ brings in the new. So, in this passage, he is reiterating that, and he's going, so, you know that you're not living in that anymore. And I think for us, it can be a hard thing to get our heads around, but we have a fantastic image um, in baptism. Who remembers the baptisms a couple of weeks ago? It was only a couple of weeks ago, I hope you did. Um, They were fantastic, weren't they amazing? They were so encouraging um, to hear people's stories. And that image of um, when we go under the water in our baptism, that is an image of us dying to our old lives and arising in the new. Um, And when we come out of the water, we are in our new lives. And we even see Jesus do this um, in when he is baptized by John the Baptist. He is baptized and when he comes out of the water, the Holy Spirit rests on him um, for the first time. And so we have this image and that might help us to understand a little bit of what Paul's talking about. He's literally talking about we are dying to our old lives and living in the new and for, like I said, for some of us, that's something we can totally get our heads around. Perhaps the first time you experienced that dying to your old life was in baptism. Perhaps it wasn't. Maybe you haven't been baptized yet. We'll be doing another one soon, so get on it. Um, there, we might have different experiences of this, of dying to the old life and living in the new. But it is something that we are called to do. And I think, and I'll get onto this, 
I think it is something that sometimes we have to do daily as those things from our old life um, creep, try and creep into our new life, which is exactly what was happening in the Colossian church. Okay, so we kind of understand this concept of dying to our old life and living in the new. So what exactly are we supposed to do with that? Well, Paul tells us, um, and he tells the Colossian church, and I believe he tells us, to set your minds on things above and not on earthly things. Now, this can, um, this idea of setting our minds on things above and not on earthly things can cause difference of, uh, differences of opinion in what he means by this. So if we've just been talking about dying to our old lives and living in the new, and the idea that one day Christ is going to come back and we're going to be with him, perhaps what, he, what Paul's saying is, okay, fix your eyes on things above. Of that time when you're going to be in heaven, you're going to be with Jesus. Let's not go into that theology, but we'll, that's not important right now. But you're, in, you're with Jesus, and actually what's happening right now on earth doesn't matter because we're going to be with God, and it's going to be amazing. I personally think that's a great way of thinking. I think it's part of it, but I don't think that's wholly what Paul is saying here because the danger with that way of thinking is that we then go, okay, well, I'm going to be in heaven one day and so nothing here on earth matters. It doesn't matter that the ice caps are melting. It doesn't matter that there's poverty. It doesn't matter about those things. But actually, I think what is actually being spoken about here, and when you look at the original like, translation and the way that Paul used to speak, is that what he's saying is, is he's talking about earthly things, like when we might talk about being in the world, but not of the world. So the, what he's talking about when he's talking about earthly things is he's talking about those parts of creation, those parts of earth where actually um, creation hasn't accepted that Jesus has won. I think that's what he's talking about in that moment, are those things on earth, because we live in a broken world, right? We live in a world where, yes, simultaneously, Jesus won, when he died on the cross, he beat death, but at the same time, there is still death in the world, there are still things that go wrong. Um, and so, therefore, what I think is being talked about, and we're gonna read a um, translation of the verse in a minute, which I think will help to highlight this for us, is that when he talks about think of the things above, I think what he's saying is, look at the, change your perspective, look around, look up from all the stuff that's in front of you that can bring you down, that can make you feel hopeless, those things of death of your old life, and look up and look at what God is doing. Look at those areas where you can get involved in what God is doing. And in this church, that is like actually quite an easy thing to do because we've got loads of different ways where God is doing things. Um, you can get involved in a myriad of different things that we do here, but equally, when you're at work, when you're at school, when you're at college, wherever you are, rather than getting bogged down in all, all the, like, the rubbish that is going on, yes, we need to notice it, but look around and go, okay, God, what are you doing? Where is your kingdom being brought here? And so what I think is actually being talked about here is something that we talk about quite a bit, which is kingdom theology, which is basically this idea that, yes, Christ came to earth, and he died on the cross, and he won, and he beat death. And so simultaneously, Christ, like God's kingdom is here, but it's also not here just yet, because there is still evil in the world. There is still rubbish in the world. And so what I believe that Paul is saying is, think on things above. Think of those things that where. God's kingdom is coming on earth, don't focus on those things that pull you down, that make you feel hopeless. 
Um, and so we're just going to read um, one, verses 1 to 4, but in the message, which I think highlights this. And actually, it's 1 to 2, because the message likes to mess around with the verses a little bit. And it says, so... If you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you, but look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. And I love this paraphrase of these verses because I think that's exactly what Paul is saying is that the that shuffling along and just getting caught up in the things of death that are in the world, those things that can make us feel hopeless, those things that can um, really bring us down, are not how we're meant to be living. What Paul's talking about here is how we change our mindset and live in the freedom in our mindset and perspective that we have when we live in our new lives in Christ. So this all sounds great, and it's like, cool, fine, I'll just change my perspective, that's easy. It's not. Um, What Paul then does is he then talks about how our actions can then impact this mindset. Um, And he talks about how we can change our actions in order to be living in our new lives in Christ. So, which we find, which I find really helpful, because generally, the job of when you're speaking is you listen, you read the thing, and then you go, okay, what do we do about it? But he does it for me, so that's great. So, if we move on to verses 5 to 10, that's fantastic. Um, I will just read you those, and then we'll unpick these. So it says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator." And as I've already spoken about, um, the Colossian church were made up of different people. And one of the groups of people they were made up of were these people who were um, people who worshipped the Roman and the Greek gods. And if you think about the the culture at the time, um, these were people who, like, there's a lot about, like, idolatry and sexual immorality. Um, They were people who were very, like, chill about sex in so many different ways, um, and they were people who, re- who did have other idols. So we've got to remember when we read these letters that it's being written to a specific church by Paul um, who's met with their church leader and is writing into specific things, but we can take this and we can go, okay, if that's what it meant for them at the time, what does it mean for us now? And when I read that list, some of the language doesn't always feel very applicable to us today, but then you look at it and you go, that actually doesn't look that different to today. Because if we look at things like um, how we might, if we look at sexual immorality, lust, things like that, I think that's still a problem in society today. I think that's fair to say um, that we live in a world where our relationship with sex can be really skewed. And when we look at idolatry, okay, maybe we're not worshipping Roman and Greek gods, but what about 
worshipping our careers? What about worshipping our relationships? Idolatry is anything that puts anything above God in our lives. I think we all have moments where actually we go, I don't know if God is at the top of my priority list. Um, Then we also, there's things like anger, rage, malice, slander, things like that, like anger and rage. Like, yeah, I get angry sometimes. And, um, And we talk and we look at anger in the Bible and sometimes there are things about righteous anger and that is something that is um, of God. But then we have things where it becomes malice. And these things that are being talked about, really what Paul is saying, those things from your old life, get rid of them. Don't let them creep back into your new life. Get rid of those things from our old life. Um, And I think for us, there's got to be things from our old life that still creep in. I get that all the time. Perhaps it's an issue of finding it difficult to forgive people. It could be anything. You probably have something in your mind at this point where you go, yeah, that's, that's my thing. That's the thing that trips me up when I am trying to live in my new life. There is, that's the thing that trips me up. But then at the same time, when we read this passage... There are two, like I've said, there are two kind of group, main groups of people in this church. There are those who, were the, who used to worship Roman and Greek gods, and then there are those who were Jewish Christians. And this section seems, when you first read it, to be very pointed at those who were those who worshipped the Roman and Greek gods. And so I, I kind of imagine the Jewish Christians to be sat there like, yeah, we're kind of all right. He's already told us off. We're all good. Um, we can just kind of sit back. And I think for some of us in this church, when I was thinking about this, in some ways, we might be a little bit like um, the Colossian church because we have a whole myriad of people in our congregation. We have people who have been Christians their whole lives, who have gone through church, who have um, been faithful and, uh, and, know, and know all the rules and know all the ways you're supposed to do these different things. And then we might have people who are brand new to this and who actually are just like starting out. And it can be very easy for us who, for people who have like been there, done that, got the Christian slogan t-shirt, to actually then sit back and be like, yeah, I can just kind of relax actually. This is for those who are new to this. Well, actually, Paul then kind of kicks us with this um, in the next verse. So he's talked about all these things that you want to get rid of in your old life, seemingly talking to those who are, um, who are not Jewish and are actually new to the faith. And he says, here, there is no Gentile or Jew, no circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and Christ is in all. And he makes it very, very clear, first of all, This verse in isolation is great if we're talking about anti-discrimination. But in this context, I think what he's saying is, hey, Jewish Christians, listen up, I'm talking to you too. You still have things from your old life which are affecting the new and are muddying your new life with me. And so I think that's a real challenge for us to go, okay, what is it that God is saying to us? What is the idolatry for us? Because for those Jewish Christians, actually, the idolatry for them had become these, um, these laws and practices that they held up often as higher than their relationship with God. And we see Jesus do all sorts to try and um, mess with that when he's on earth. And this is what Paul is saying to them. He's going, wait a second. Yes, I'm talking to those of you who are new to this. Yes, I want you to get rid of that old life. But I'm also talking to those of you who reckon you've got it sorted. Because actually, 
we've all we've all got to humble ourselves and know that we have stuff to learn And um, part of this problem that they were having was that the Jewish Christians were trying to enforce these laws and ways of living on those who um, were not Jewish Christians. And what they were doing was they, they were saying that um, they all need to be they all need to be circumcised. They all need to adhere to these food laws. They all need to do these particular practices around the Sabbath. Um, and this was one of the big problems that their church leader went to Paul about. And he was like, they're trying to enforce all these things on them, and they reckon they've got it sorted, and they're trying to make this all happen. And actually, this is where Paul's going, no. There is no circumcised or uncircumcised. It doesn't matter anymore, because we are all equal under Christ in this. We are all equal under Christ in needing him to help us to live in our new life. But luckily... um, Paul doesn't stop there. He doesn't just go, hey, don't do this, 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 and then you'll be fine. Um, He actually says, and the language is amazing, and I'm going to go into it. He says, take off that old life, get rid of it, but then you can put on the new. And so in the next couple of verses, um, he says, so he he starts with therefore. So he's going, so you've got rid of all the rubbish from your past life. Um, so therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity." Now, I love this imagery, and he's been using it throughout this whole passage. It's talking about taking things off and putting things on, and it's taking off the old life and putting on the new. And when I was thinking about this, I was like, okay, he's given me an image here of clothes. Great. What does this apply to me? And the only thing I could think of, and I literally haven't thought about this since I left school, was when I was at school, um, this was secondary school, you know those boxy shirts that you have to wear, those boxy white shirts that are like this long? Well, there were some girls in my year and they had these ones that were like three-quarter length, and they were cut like you were actually a girl. And I was like, I want me one of those. Because these were the things that, like, that I don't really understand the thing about you have your, your standard school uniform, and then you have the uniform that, like, the cool kids wear. But anyway, I wanted this shirt. It was very important to me that I got this shirt. And somehow, I managed to convince my mother to buy me a couple of these shirts. She wouldn't buy me the cool, really tight trousers, but she bought me this shirt, which was great. And I was like, yes, I've got this shirt. And so I had these shirts, these, like, three-quarter length, cut quite nice, so I looked all right in my school uniform. Um, and I would wear it, and it looked quite nice. But the thing was, I couldn't move my arms from about there. Um, that was the issue I was having, was that if I raised my arms above about there, the whole shirt would like come up, and that's not good when you're at school, when you're in secondary school, and your parents are both teachers there, you don't need to add that into the mix. Um, and so what I thought of when I thought of this image was that actually that was, it looked quite nice but it was really restrictive. And when I got home after school, I'd fling that thing off, and stick on a comfy T-shirt or a pyjama top or whatever. And that's kind of how I feel like um, our old life, taking off our old lives and putting on our new can be, is that our old lives, they might look quite nice to the outside, actually, like having a little bit of greed and having all the stuff that we want might be quite nice, might look quite good, but it's restrictive. The freedom isn't there. 
And so I think what we can take from this is, okay, we need to get rid of that restrictive way of living. We need to get rid of those things that might look all right. They might not look all right as well. Um, but we need to take that off and put on that airy, comfy pajama top or whatever it is. And in this language of clothing yourself with compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. I don't know if you're a visual person. If you are, you'll love this. If you're not, bear with me. Um, when, when I think of like what compassion and kindness and stuff like that would be, I'm thinking like floaty, like white, nice fabric. And I'm thinking that would be, there would be so much freedom in that. And it would just be a nice thing to be wearing after getting rid of that horrible boxy t-shirt that I used to wear to school. And what these are, and the language is a little bit different, but really the language that is being used is around fruits of the spirit, is what um, Paul is talking about here, is clothe yourself in the fruits of the spirit. Clothe yourself in God. Um, and what I think is so encouraging about this is the fact that we're not just left naked. We're not just left vulnerable when we get rid of our old life. We are given this new life, which is so everything that God wants us to have. And what this then does, it makes that change of perspective that I talked about at the beginning far, far easier. If you're trying to look around and look for where God is moving and trying to be a part of that kingdom and trying to be a part of what God is doing on earth and not getting caught up in the rubbish that is so often in our lives, actually being clothed in things like love and kindness and gentleness and patience, oh my goodness, I need more of that one, is so important and so helpful in changing that perspective and being able to look up and look at what God is doing. And so what that means is that we are therefore better equipped in those things that God has for us in our new life. Because when we talk about freedom, we often talk about what we're free from. This is like a real um, classic thing to say, but we often talk about what we're free from, all that rubbish that Paul was talking about, but then we can be free for, some, you've probably heard this before, free from a load of rubbish, but we are free for being part of what God has for us and for this kingdom that he is building and so what Paul has done here is he has shown us how we can have freedom in our thought life, but that that's got to go out through our actions. Um, recently in 15 plus, we've been doing a series called Walk the Walk, Walking the Walk, um, because we felt like actually sometimes we're really good at talking the talk and saying all the right things and doing all the right things outwardly, but actually in our actions, in, um, in what we do and how we live out and how our relationship with God is in private, are we always that good at walking the walk? And I think that is what Paul is challenging us with in this passage. And then finally, he finishes... Um, in such an encouraging way, um, and he finishes in how we can support one another um, in doing that as church. And he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And the word that they use here, so when he says peace, um, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. We love the word peace. Peace is great. That means no conflict. Love that. But actually, the word they're using here is shalom. 
um, which means, um, means more than just lack of conflict. What it's talking about is it's talking about oneness, and it's talking about rightness. Really, the only word you can use to describe shalom is shalom, but I'll do my best. Um, it's about like rightness and oneness and togetherness. It's language that is used around the Trinity and how Father, Son, and Holy Spirit interact. That word is used in that way, and so what we can read for that is, let the shalom of Christ rule in your hearts. Let that oneness rule in your hearts. You have been called to peace. You've been called to oneness. And so he's specifically talking to a church where there's a bunch of different kinds of people in it. And I'm talking to a congregation of people where there's a bunch of different people in it. So let's do this together and work for oneness. That doesn't mean we all have to agree. That doesn't mean we all have to live in exactly the same way. But actually, if we're going to do this, if we're going to live, if we're going to individually live lives where we get rid of our old life and we're putting on the new that God has for us, we need support in that. We have the support of God through him giving us the fruits of his spirit. But actually, Paul says we need to be teaching each other. We need to be praying with each other. We need to be supporting one another in this effort to be living in our new freedom. And at the end, he, he finishes with, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so that means whatever we do, if we keep God at the center of what we're doing, that's going to make everything else a lot easier. It doesn't make life easy, but it makes that whole individual walk a lot easier. And so what we have um, looked at this morning is that we, we can change our perspectives, and this is something that is not easy, and sometimes I think it's a real thing that we find difficult, and we can have, we're going to have a time of response in a minute. But um, we've looked at that. We've looked at how our actions can influence that, and how we can, we can be free to get rid of that restrictive life and put on that freedom. And we've looked at how we can do that together as a church. Um, and so I'm going to invite the worship band up. Um, but I'm just going to finish by reading you the first verse, but in the message translation, um, just to finish this morning. So, if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. I'm just going to pray. Father God, we thank you so much for this letter um, to the Colossians, which Paul wrote. God, we thank you um, that we don't have to live in the restrictiveness of our old lives. Um, we thank you that your good gifts can clothe us. And God, I want to pray that as we, um, as we respond this morning, that we would all um, have the courage to look at our lives and to look at where the old is creeping in and help us to take that off. Um, so that we can live in what you have for us this morning. Amen. So, um, I think what I want to do is I want to offer us to respond, because um, we've just looked at how Paul, he challenges all of us to respond. We all have things to respond to this morning. And that might be different things for different ones of you, um, it might be that actually you have, while I've been talking, you've noticed something that needs to be taken off. It might be that actually you need some more of those fruits of the spirit um, in your life. You need, you've, heard, you've heard one of those and you're thinking, actually, I need to put those on. Or possibly it might be for you that actually that change in perspective is a real challenge 
that being stuck in, the, um, in what's in front of you and the stresses of life and the things, the, the things of death that are in your life, it's actually really hard for you to look up and see what God is doing. And so I think what I want to do is we'll just take a minute um, for us all ourselves and what I'd love for you to do is to ask God, what is that, what is that thing he wants you to respond to this morning? Um, so close your eyes if you want to or keep them open if that works for you. But just take a minute um, and work out what is it that God wants you to respond to this morning. So I think what we're going to do is if there is something that you need to put down, if there is something from your, of your old life that you need to take off and put down, I'd really encourage you to come to the cross and do that. If you're unable to, then stay in your seat. But I would say it's good to do something active sometimes as a way of putting that down. Um, I think we'll probably have some people, some prayers, I hope, um, over there. Um, so if you need prayer with that, because Paul says we need to be spending time with each other and supporting one another in this, then um, please do come and get prayer. Um, and especially if that is some, if that thing around having your perspective changed is a real challenge for you, um, I'd really love to pray with you. So this is up to you guys. If anyone um, has any words, feel free to come share them with us. But um, this is our time to respond because I think we all can this morning.